TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Oh, yeah! What's going on, DMV? You know who it is. Youngest in charge movement, Linnell Willingham. Here with you live and local on 106.7 The Fan or simulcasted on our sister station, the Team 980, and always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. Ride with me. It'll take you up to 105 this afternoon. Before we dish the rock to Charlie Slows and Dave Jagler, they'll bring you Nats and Reds from out in Cincinnati. I know you all probably want to get into what just happened. For the crazies that woke up early this morning to watch women's soccer, shout out to you. You're the ultimate patriot, and you care about it a hell of a lot more than I do. But we're going to talk about it here because I think it's huge. I'm scrolling through my Twitter timeline, and all I keep seeing is people complaining about what just happened. So I go on ESPN. I'll be honest. Full disclosure, I did not watch. Our producer in studio, Chris, will tell you what I was doing about 15, 20 minutes ago. I popped my tire on the way in. Not, Not a good start to the morning for you, boy, but we're here. We're rocking. We'll take you up to 105, like I said, before we hand things over to Charlie Slows and Dave Jagler. The U.S. women's national team, though, in the World Cup, eliminated, though, officially by Sweden. And when I saw the score, I said, well, how the hell are they eliminated? No one won. It's 0-0. But clearly, I'm an idiot. Don't understand the way soccer works. So Sweden advancing on five to four penalty kicks, I'm assuming. And that was probably... Thrill-seeking. That's the one thing I love about soccer in terms of, like, the way they handle their extracurriculars and their overtime, so to speak. Penalty kicks, to me, is, like, the most badass thing in the world. It's almost like it's you versus me. Mono and mono. In the, in the ultimate team sport, to have a one-on-one moment like that, I think is amazing. I love uh, the way hockey does with the, with the shootouts. I think the NFL and the NBA needs to adopt something like that. Chris, you're not a big fan of shootouts, huh, buddy? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> It, I did. No, it's like, uh, why did they play the whole game if you're just going to do just gonna, shootout? Yeah, I get it. Well, you, look, if, if you don't like shootouts, that means you can't like the NFL's overtime rules then because those are probably the dumbest in all of pro sports right now talking about their overtime rules. But it, it ended up being 
I, I called it. A, I'm calling it a tie, but it's not a tie because the U.S. is eliminated. I, I don't know. It, it all. It's all amazing because I'm getting my like analysis at the moment off of Twitter. I had to drive into the show this morning. I didn't get a chance to watch. But all I see is that people are, like, up in arms. Let me tell you what the number one trending topics are right now on your boy's Twitter timeline. Or my ex-timeline, I should say. And I'm not talking about my ex-girlfriend's Twitter timeline when I say that. Hope Solo is trending. The U.S. Women's National Team is trending. We know why. We just talked about that. Nate Diaz is trending. Heard he got... Rocked and rolled last night by Jake Paul. We'll get to that as well before the show concludes. It was a crazy weekend in terms of, like, what was going on in the sports world. We had the Pro Football Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Uh, The Commanders had an off day of training camp. They're back on the practice field this afternoon. Uh, Practice is actually about to start here probably in about the next five minutes or so. We'll have David Harrison join the program coming up at 1130. He covers the team uh, and, and is the host of the Locked On Commanders podcast. He'll join us. He has boots on the ground out there at practice. We'll actually talk about the Washington Commanders in great detail coming up here in about the 10 o'clock hour because the reports the reports coming out of Friday's practice session were not good, uh, to say the least. So we'll touch on all that before we get out of here. I want to go back to what the weekend was, though, in sports. Crazy weekend. Uh, we just had the U.S. Women's National Team lose. We had Nate Diaz return. Uh, to the ring against, is it Jake Paul or Logan Paul? I think it was Jake Paul because Logan Paul was actually wrestling yesterday for SummerSlam in the WWE. People hate on the Paul twins and the Paul brothers. I think that they are the most phenomenal set of twins. They work. They didn't just get this stuff handed to them. They're supreme athletes. And I, I think it's crazy how people used to hate on them. Now I feel like the whole change in mentality about how we talk about them is completely different. But nonetheless, Nate Diaz... Jake Paul, I keep getting them confused, Jake and Logan. I heard uh, John Paul Flame with the Junkies. He tried to put a Nate Diaz knockout or Nate Diaz getting knocked out on his uh, Junkies weekend parlay, and I immediately started laughing at John Paul Flame because to put that on your Junkies weekend parlay would mean that the Junkies weekend parlay, first of all, had no shot of hitting because it never hits. We all know that. But he had a fourth-round knockout for, for Nate Diaz getting knocked out in the fourth round, and I had a boxing an astute boxing friend of mine tell me that Nate Diaz has only been knocked out three times in his entire career. So to assume that it was going to happen for the fourth time for the Junkies weekend parlay, it was kind of kind of pipe dreaming, so to speak, from the uh, from the old folks in the morning, man. But no, it was definitely, I didn't watch any of it. I saw some of the highlights on YouTube, and I saw post-fight. I, like I said, I'm a big, big Jake Paul guy. Um, the thing is, though, unanimous decision from looking at the highlights, he was tagging him, and it wasn't really even close. And you would expect that. Nate Diaz is like butt old, right? Like he hasn't he hasn't been in, in the boxing ring in a while, and he's not even a boxer, is he? Isn't he like an MMA guy? He's an MMA guy. I was kind of upset that they were doing this in a boxing setting, in a boxing venue. But it's what you expect, man. The one thing that I didn't like about the whole buildup to this fight, Nate Diaz seemed like he came into every – little promo that they did either drunk or hide up. It was just never never a good look. And I know he's had his 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 bouts with with those substances in the past, but he was talking a lot of smack to, to Jake Paul. And I feel like I get it. Like I said, they are look at the way ESPN even describes him in the article that they wrote. The YouTuber turned prize fighter. He's a prize fighter now. The hell with the YouTube stuff. Him and his brother are two 
Certified badasses. One's in the WWE, which you all can say is fake. I think it's real. Real because it's it's not fake to fall off of a 20-foot ladder. Anybody who says that, that doesn't hurt is crazy. It's still real to me. It 100% is real. I'm glad that you think like that, bro. My grandma's the one that got me on wrestling, Chris. It was it was amazing. Now I'm, in, now I'm into Nell's story time. So this was during, you remember the invasion angle back in like 2001? So I was watching that with my grandma, and she spilled, first of all, my grandma is an avid drinker of Milwaukee Best Ice. That's her, that's her brew of choice. I know a lot of you out there are probably frowning because it's one of the cheaper brews on the market. That, in college, I was a, well, I didn't really like beer. But when I did have to drink beer on the bargain, I'm a natty daddy type of guy. Natty light, natural light, whatever you want to call it. Nonetheless, my grandma's a Milwaukee best ice gal. And your boy was introduced to brewskis at the age of six. My grandma spilt her beer on the living room table, reacting to Stone Cold turning his back on the WWF at the time. And I used to, I was a big Teletubbies guy, and they used to have the vacuums suck up the custard, so to speak. So I went and <laughs> slurped the beer off of the glass coffee table in our living room, and it was the nastiest thing I ever tasted in my life. And it's the reason now I don't like beer. But I said all that to say this. Jake Paul, Logan Paul, extreme athletes, extreme athletes. We had the Hall of Fame induction ceremony uh, yesterday, and there was a couple of speeches that really – Really, like, got me, not emotional, because I don't get emotional watching these type of things, but it made me think, and it gave great perspective about just how special these athletes are. And the Hall of Fame discussion, we'll, we'll get into it a little bit more detail as the 9 o'clock hour rolls on here. I just, the, the requirements to get in, it feels like. Anyone can get in the Hall of Fame, it feels like. That's the only thing that I don't like, um, seeing some guys get inducted or being uh, on the list to be eligible next year. I didn't realize that only five guys go in at a time. And I don't know. I, I, maybe that's even the problem. I know Deion Sanders has spoke up recently about this, about having like a upper echelon class of the Hall of Fame. And I, I know they have different branches of the Hall of Fame. They have contributors. They have players. It's all wonky. I do love the Hall of Fame game, and we got to talk about that uh, on Friday with me and Doc Walker. We're in, with, we're in for Kevin Sheehan. My guy, Klecko, man. Klecko nearly fell over his shoes walking out when he was getting introduced uh, on Thursday before the game. He had a hell of a speech last night. Uh, It just was, it just to me, this time of year, lets you know how close we are to the start of football season, man. As I was scrolling through Twitter, getting ready for the show, my man, Dove Kleiman, isn't really consistent with news and isn't really accurate all the time with his news. But he gave me the news that I needed to hear. Ladies and gentlemen, just five more Sundays. Five more Sundays till we got a complete slate of games. Look, we love sports. I love baseball. I love basketball. You know, I watch it. It keeps me all entertained. The drama of sports and the drama of pro sports is really what's gotten me so attached to it. WWE style stuff, Christian, you would understand that, which is why I'm geeked up over sports. The NBA and the NFL do a hell of a job with drama. But in terms of, like, the sport that I'm willing to go above and beyond to watch, the sport that I'm willing to pull over in traffic to watch, it's the National Football League. They say the NFL is king for a reason. This year, in comparison to other years, we always talk about parity in pro sports and how it's great to not know who's going to win the championship. This year, it's like Kansas City versus the field. That's kind of how I feel right now. 
Chiefs looking to win their second straight Super Bowl title, looking to make their, what would it be, their their sixth straight AFC championship if they're able to punch their ticket this time around. Just complete dominance from Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and company since he's taken over as the full-time guy there in Kansas City. But nonetheless, exciting year coming up. Feels like it's Kansas City versus the field. Uh, I was having a discussion yesterday with a buddy of mine who is a Philadelphia Eagles fan, admittedly so. And I have, I've been in the minority with this, but I just, for some reason, the boys that wear Kelly Green, the Dirty Birds, I, I just, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. And it's crazy because Devontae Smith was just on the, uh, which is on the uh, the TV screen here in studio. We got the NFL Network's Top 100 list playing. Chris, have you seen any of the Top 100, by the way? Not this It is year, the no. dirtiest, stupidest list that anybody's ever created. They got Josh Jacobs 50 spots ahead of Lamar Jackson. It's all, it's hogwash. I guess it's supposed to be the top 100 guys from that season specifically. So it makes sense. Josh Jacobs led the league in rushing. Lamar Jackson didn't finish the season because of injury, but put some respect on Lamar Action Jackson's name. Nonetheless, though, back to the Philadelphia Eagles. I am, like, in the minority with this. I feel like I'm the only Eagles hater out there right now that exists. I just think it's so difficult to duplicate the type of success that they had last year offensively. Jalen Hurts, great season. I always say he's the most insulated quarterback in the National Football League in terms of supporting cast. I put it like to you like this. You flip you flip Daniel Jones and Jalen Hurts last year, and you're telling me that Daniel Jones couldn't have led the Philadelphia Eagles with that cast of characters to the NFC Championship at least or to the Super Bowl? I'm, just, I'm not trying to diminish what Jalen Hurts does, but I think those two case studies, they're the perfect two teams to compare to each other and the perfect two quarterbacks to compare to each other. I was on record all of last year, Denton Day, my partner in crime knows this. The New York Giants last year and Daniel Jones did the most with the least, and I guess Jalen Hurts did the most with the most, right? In terms of comparing the individual rosters, Jalen Hurts, the most insulated quarterback. I would say Daniel Jones, one of the most least insulated quarterbacks. So, yeah, when the Eagles run rough shot through the NFC and they get spanked on Monday night against Washington, and it was kind of like their kickstart for the second half of their season, all of it's got me thinking, one, can you guys duplicate the success? And then, two, consistency in the National Football League, to me, is like the number one trait that you want to have in terms of offensive football right, in terms of, like, head coach, quarterback, offensive coordinator combinations, you take, you look at the best teams, they got a solid three in those areas, right? For Philadelphia, you lose both of your coordinators, talking about uh, Shane Steichen and Jonathan Gannon. Shane Steichen goes to Indianapolis. Jonathan Gannon goes to the Cardinals. You lose your your starting two linebackers in T.J. Edwards and Kaiser White. You lose Javon Hargrave. (coughs) was one of the anchors in the middle of your defense. You lose the NFL leader in interceptions last year, C.J. Gardner-Johnson. There's just so much turnover on the Philadelphia Eagles roster. I wonder, with all the turnover, and then the schedule that I keep talking about, because they got a daunting part in this schedule, and Eagles fans out there, if you listen to this show regularly, you probably get frustrated when I talk about Philadelphia, because I'm telling you how a T.I. is. There's this, there's this portion in Philly's schedule. It's weeks four. All the way to week number 15, Washington, at L.A., at New York, home for Miami, at Washington, home for Dallas, bye week, and then look at this daunting stretch of play. At Kansas City, 
home for Buffalo, home for San Francisco, at Dallas, at Seattle. How Philadelphia comes out of that stretch of play will tell me just how good this team is going to be heading into the regular season. Like I said, though, plenty to get to here before we uh, wrap up the show. Take you up to 105 before we hand things to Charlie Slows and Dave Jagler. They'll get you warmed up for Nats and Reds. Coming up at 1030, our pal Mark Schofield set to join the program. He covers the NFL for USA Today's Touchdown Wire. We'll take a spin around the National Football League and look at some of the top storylines as we're about two weeks out or two weeks into NFL training camp. Uh, coming up 11.30, like I said, David Harrison, the host of the Locked On Commanders podcast, is set to join us. He'll give us a full-scale breakdown of practice number, I think it's practice number 10 today. Full pads once again for the Washington Commanders. We'll see if they can bounce back from Friday's dreadful performance. You all know how I get down those to people show. Tap it with me all show long. One of three ways. MGM National Harbor Listener Lines wide open. 1-800-636-1067 is the number. You can tweet at me as well. It's at N-E-L-L underscore BTP. We talked about it warming up here to start uh, at the top of the show. The Hall of Fame induction ceremony last night was good, and I also have some gripes about how the NFL handles the Hall of Fame ceremony uh, in its totality. We'll talk all things Hall of Fame next here on The Fan. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Odyssey celebrates Father's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Just getting rolling. It's overtime here on 106.7 The Fan. We're simulcasted on our sister station, the Team 980, and always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. It's the Youngest in Charge movement, Linnell Willingham, taking up to 110 here on this Sunday morning before we dish the rock to Charlie Slows and Dave Jagler. They get you warmed up for Nats in Reds. Nats playing decent baseball right now. Whooped up on the Reds yesterday, looking to... Looking to make things right, man. And it felt it felt normal yesterday, right, with the Nats. The Nats beating the Reds. That's how things are supposed to be. They came in here. They came in here last week. Was it last week? Yeah, I believe it was last week. It was last week or a week and a half ago. And they actually gave the Nats some fits, man. Nats yesterday, uh, seven three winners. Nats looking to make it. Whew. It'd be their fourth straight win if they won today. There was a tweet I saw, and I mentioned it on Friday in, in for Kevin Sheehan. The Nationals, man, have won, I believe it's five straight series at Nats Park. So they're on the road right now doing some dirty work out in Cincinnati. When they come home, though, man, I think it's a hell of a time to come out and see uh, these these Washington Nationals. Lane Thomas uh, hit two homers against the, the Reds on Friday night. He's playing well. I remember there was discussion leading up to the trade deadline about whether or not the lane train would even be here in D.C. for that much longer. So, damn sure good to see him continuing to hit the ball well. C.J. Abrams crushing it right now. Uh, so, make sure you check out the Curly W's, man. I believe they'll be back home next week, I believe. 
Ooh, so they're away next week. They come home Friday for a weekend series with the Oakland Athletics. They should smoke them. And then they got three straight series at home. They got Boston coming to town. And then Philadelphia comes to town. They get ready to hit the rough stretch in their schedule uh, coming up here for the Nats. So got to continue to stack the W's, man. I mentioned the NFL Hall of Fame induction ceremony yesterday. Uh, the class of 2023. Rondé Barber. Don Coriel, Chuck Howley, Joe Klecko, Darrell Rivas, Ken Riley, Joe Thomas, Zach Thomas, Demarcus Ware. A couple of guys in here <clears throat> played when I was growing up watching the game, only 25, so I haven't seen a whole bunch of NFL football. Rondé Barber, I remember reading him, him in Tiki's book uh, back when I was in elementary school. It was one of my favorite books to read. Um, they had actually had a couple of books. It was a series they put together, but... His work on the field, <clears throat> absolutely tremendous. Thinking about the career Rondé Barber was able to turn out, kid ran a 4-7. Ran a 4-7 40-yard dash at 5'10", playing cornerback in the National Football League. If it was 2023, Rondé Barber probably wouldn't have got drafted because those measurables stink and suck in terms of, like, your combine warriors and workout heroes and whatnot. Uh, so the career that he was able to turn in, man, Super Bowl champion, defensive player of the year. I mean, just a hell of a talent uh, at the cornerback position. Don Coriel uh, innovating that Air Coriel offense that Washington actually tried to run a version of it last year under Scott Turner. He was one of the innovators to the game and definitely was uh, eager to see him get in. I think the way offenses have changed uh, here in the past 10 years or so, it's amazing because there were coaches back in the day where everyone was zigging, they were zagging in terms of when everyone was running the football, they were out there trying to throw it around the yard. Uh, Don Coriel and that system were part of that. Darrell Rivas was getting a lot of crap uh, for his physical appearance. People were talking about his gut, saying that he must have built a few McDonald's on Rivas Island, and I thought that was very geek-worthy. The fact that he's in the Hall of Fame already, it's, it's him that got me like, darn. First of all, Darrell Reeves is a hell of a cornerback, but the fact that he's he's in this thing already, I believe, is are you first ballot? Is he a first ballot Hall of Famer? I have to look this up. Call it what it is. I believe you're eligible once you stop playing. For, you have to be out of the league for five years before you become eligible. So, yeah, if he, ret well, if he was still playing in 2018, then. <laughs> I believe he was, though. I believe he was. He's 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 PA's finest man. Aliquippa stand up. I know a lot of uh, a lot of PA folks that I went to college with. Huge huge Darrell Rivas fans and seeing him enter man and seeing the bust. His bust I thought looked the most like him of all the guys last night. Uh, Demarcus Ware's as well I thought was good. Speaking of Demarcus Ware man, I know he's a Dallas Cowboy and it's hard to give Cowboys credit, but the career that he was able to turn in and. It's just incredible winning the Super Bowl with the Denver Broncos. He just full circle, man, because DeMarcus Ware, DeMarcus Ware, really an unheralded guy uh, coming out of school. And the fact that he was able to turn in as long as a career as he was, man, 138 and a half career sacks coming from Troy, man. How many guys you see come from Troy? You know, I believe he may be to this day the highest drafted player out of Troy ever, uh, the number 11 overall pick back in 2005. His speech, though, to me, I thought, I thought really struck a couple of nerves and really gave, you know, tremendous perspective about 
you know, what this game does for folks in the brotherhood that it actually creates. And as time goes on and you retire and you begin to transition into life outside of the National Football League, you realize that, you know, some people have their own personal struggles that they deal with and not everyone's going to be here for you. Uh, It's a moment from DeMarcus Ware's speech last night that really hit home for me, talking about some of his fallen teammates and how important it was to have seats in the audience reserved for them. Take a listen. I think... God and I think it's just so good that for the memories that he gives us because we lost some guys too soon. Demarius Thomas, Ronnie Hillman, Marion Barber. I held some seats in my heart for you guys here today. Keep resting in peace, fellas. Yeah, definitely was. It was one of those moments, man, if you're watching it, it kind of Gives you chills a little bit, man, because the the most recent of those teammates to fall was a Broncos wide receiver, Demarius Thomas, and the relationship that those two had, uh, according to to folks that were in the Denver area and even hearing Demarcus talk about it at the time of Demarius's passing, man, almost like a big brother little brother relationship, and it's it's rare to me, I feel like, and I feel like other former players will tell you this, that you see those type of bonds with guys that play on different sides of the football. Um, DeMarcus Ware being a defensive guy, Demarius being an offensive guy, and the time that DeMarcus spent in Denver was really the back half of his career. Spent most of his time in Dallas, and then the final couple of years he spends with the Denver Broncos, and it was early in Demarius Thomas's career, and if you all remember DT when he first burst onto the scene, just a dominant wide receiver, man, and that number 88 in, in Denver Blue, man, will forever live on, but just just hearing DeMarcus talk about him and Talk about, you know, he sang the national anthem on Friday or Thursday night, excuse me, before the Hall of Fame game started. And that was an ode to Demarius Thomas, something that he promised Demarius he would do one day. Um, Demarcus Ware, not a lot of people know, was a R&B singer back in the day. And is actually a part of an R&B band. So it wasn't like crazy that Demarcus Ware was uh, singing the anthem. I actually, I thought it was, it was okay. Right. I ain't going to, I ain't going to blow smoke up his ass. It wasn't that good, but Clearly, he's the financial backer in terms of uh, the R&B group, but definitely was good to to hear DeMarcus Ware speak. His time in Dallas, though, I feel like, I feel like gets overshadowed, and I, I say it all the time. I don't even look at him as a cowboy. He's too much of a good guy. He is, in terms of, like, the ultimate good guy cowboys, DeMarcus Ware right at the top of that list, pro's pro, and just an overall good guy, a country boy, and, and I love hearing him talk from Auburn, Alabama, just... As thoroughbred as it gets to me, man, DeMarcus Ware, past Russian savant uh, and a damn good person. He spoke yesterday during his Hall of Fame speech about what his time in Dallas meant to him, and in particular, the relationship between him and Cowboys owner Jerry Jones. All my hard work in Troy brought me to this. Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys organization calling me on my Nokia flip phone. Jerry, where you at? I want to thank you for taking a chance on me. You gave me the opportunity to play in two of the greatest stadiums with the most amplified crowds that helped silence the pain of my past. Those places became my new church every Sunday. I told the Lord, if if you give me six days to prepare, I'm going to let you take over on the seventh to let people know that you are a bad mamma jamma. 
and can do all things. But even God knows I didn't do it alone. Every day I arrived at work, I can hear the ring of fire blasting in the training room, which meant Tony Romo was in the building. In the weight room, I'd hear the clanking of Larry Allen, bench pressing 500 pounds just to warm up. On the field, lining up against Jason Witten, I was reminded just how important it, and to, it, it was to be consistent every day, every play. And when I had to turn up, all I had to do was look at my boy Brady James because he truly had the eye of the tiger. Wow. And hearing him, hearing him talk about you know, some of the cowboy greats that he got the opportunity to play with, man. DeMarcus Ware, right up there and forever will be looked at as Cowboys glory. Uh, one of the greatest Cowboys of all time, man. DeMarcus Ware, past Russian savant, man. I thought he had a hell of a speech. One of the better speeches I can remember uh, in recent memory at the Pro Football Hall of Fame induction ceremony. We'll take a quick time out. When we come back, we'll keep things on the Pro Football Hall of Fame induction ceremony. The class of 2024, first-time eligible players list. We'll give that to you next here on The Fan. Welcome back. It's overtime here on 106.7 The Fan. We're simulcasted on our sister station, the Team 980, and always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. It's the youngest in charge movement, Linnell Willingham. Taking up to 110 this afternoon before we hand the rock off to Charlie Slows and Dave Jagler. They get you warmed up for Nats in Reds. Nats trying to make it four straight victories, and it would be a series sweep against the Cincinnati Reds if they're able to complete it. Uh, it's going to be Jake Irvin on the bump for Davey Martinez's squad. And I just remembered yesterday, getting off on a baseball tangent here, Johanna Doan got the start yesterday. Uh, with, I believe it was Trevor Williams that had his start skipped. And the young pup, Johanna Dome, man. I remember when he came up last year, it was kind of rough for him. I'm looking at the box score. Seven strikeouts yesterday for Johanna Dome. That a boy, Johan. That's cool to see, man. Definitely rooting for that young man. He got his uh, first taste of the big year, big leagues last year and got rocked and rolled at times. So good to see he's bouncing back a little bit. Nats and Reds coming to you from Cincinnati at Great American Ballpark, 141st pitch. Charlie Slows and Dave Jagler, like I said, get you warmed up, starting at 110 with Nats on deck. We'll let you hear from DeMarcus Ware in the last segment during uh, his Pro Football Hall of Fame enshrinement speech. It's The thing I love about the NFL, they waste no time moving on to the next crop of guys. As soon as, as, soon as last night's speeches were over, uh, they officially announced the class of the players that are eligible for the first time in 2024. Defensive end Julius Peppers, who I think will probably get in as on a first ballot basis. Antonio Gates, pretty sure he gets in on the first ballot. Andrew Luck, eligible. His story is going to be interesting, and the football crazies are, are going to have a field day with that. Jamal Charles is eligible. I mean, he's... Let me tell you this, because I think Jamal Charles should be a first ballot Hall of Famer, and this is why. 5.4 yards of rush for the career. It's fifth in NFL history amongst all players, and he's first amongst all players with at least 1,000 career carries. So Jamal Charles was him. The ACL tear for Jamal Charles, man, really screwed up his career. Think about it, though. He was one of, like, the original pass-catching backs and the original dual-threat running backs, man, and I think it was amazing. This shows it right here in his career. 
310 receptions, 2,600 yards, and 20 touchdowns. So shows you how damn good Jamal Charles was. Brandon Marshall going to be eligible for the first time. I don't know if he gets in first ballot, but he does have the NFL record for most receptions in a game uh, set back in 2008 when he had 18 catches. Um, so I think he's a hell of a podcaster. I love what uh, he was doing with I Am Athlete. Um, Brandon Marshall was a good, good receiver. And the thing about Brandon Marshall that I think he'll be noted for, and it might be one of the reasons he gets in, not trying to be cynical here at all, he was one of the first players to come out publicly uh, and talk about the vulnerability that he had in terms of like mental health and dealing with things of that nature off the field. So Brandon Marshall, a very versatile guy, all-around guy. I don't know if he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, though. Haloti Nada going to be eligible for the first time. And to have 33 sacks and 63 TFLs as a nose tackle, a true nose tackle, is kind of impressive. Don't know if he gets in first ballot. He was part of one of the best defenses of all time, so maybe that helps his battle. Eric Berry, eligible for the first time, coming back from uh, Hagelin's deformity, a form of cancer that he had, and was able to bounce back. And he technically isn't retired, um, and he insinuated back in 2021 that he may possibly play again. He will be eligible. And then there's one guy who I think is going to get in first, first ballot. The leg, Sebastian Janikowski, man. It was one of the first names I learned back in the day playing Madden. His foot was strong as hell, man. But kickers, they don't put him in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult for kickers to get in. But Seabass, when you got a nickname like Seabass, first of all, it's a badass nickname. Seabass, come on, man. He's probably the best kicker of all time. Dude. It's, it's hard to say not, but I still, it's like special teams. They just don't like special teams. They just don't. They just don't. We have, we arguably here have the best kicker of all time, man. The only kicker to ever win MVP, Mr. Five Guys himself, Mark Mosley. But it's it's interesting when you talk about Sebastian Janikowski. I'm looking at some of his career accolades. Um, He's 10th in the NFL, in NFL history and career made field goals. So that means there should be nine kickers in the NFL Hall of Fame then, right? But like Chris just alluded to, man, they're not really nice to the kickers. You got to have a ridiculously good resume to get in uh, as a kicker but we we gush all the time about commander's kicker Joey Sly and how jacked and swole he is when Sebastian Janikowski was in shape he was never he was never ripped <laughs> like Joey Sly is but you'd mistake him for Ben Roethlisberger or something man it was crazy 436 career made field goals for Seabass uh, during his time in the National Football League definitely impressive I didn't realize this about him. I found out this reading this. Okay, so this is his parents. Okay. Huh. That's interesting. He didn't play a different position. That's the one thing about some of the other kickers that are in the Hall of Fame. They actually did other things, not just kick the football. But Sebastian Janikowski, man, you talk about a kicker who could potentially line up at left tackle. That was a big, big dude, and it stunk because – during the heyday of his career, the Raiders were absolute dog crap, which is part of why he got so many field goal attempts because their offense stunk. So uh, it's definitely interesting. Speaking of fatso slobs, not saying Sebastian Janikowski is a fatso slob, but speaking of fatso slobs, the big fat bank robber, Albert Hainsworth, opened his big fat pie hole over the weekend, and you wouldn't believe what he had the gall to say. We'll let you hear that next here on the fan. Coming up in about 45 minutes, our pal Mark Schofield, who covers the National Football League, 
for USA Today's Touchdown Wire is set to join the program. We'll take a spin around the NFL and look at some of the top storylines as we're about, what, two weeks into training camp? Get ready to enter training camp week number three. The Washington Commanders out on the practice field right now. And a couple of early reports out of this morning's practice. Good news. Emmanuel Forbes, the rookie cornerback out of Mississippi State, left practice early Friday, is a full participant in today's session. Uh, so it doesn't look like his groin injury was that much of a big deal. Um, Logan Thomas, though, not on the practice field for the second straight day dealing with a calf injury. I think it's just more so them trying to make sure he's ready for week one because he's going to play a really big part in this commander's offense. I don't think it's much of anything. Uh, Sadiq Charles back out on the practice field after dealing with a calf strain uh, himself the past couple of days and varying reports out there right now as to who is lining up with the commander's first team offensive line uh, at the left guard spot. You know, there's a hot competition going on between Sadiq Charles and Chris Paul. Um, so it'll be interesting to see which big man ends up on top in that one. Speaking of big men ending up on top, this big man ended up on top of the garbage disposal because he was just, honestly, I, I only, Albert Hainsworth is what I want to get into here, and I'm not even going to do a big build-up and tease for this big, flat slob, but Albert Hainsworth, Albert Hainsworth is responsible for my favorite moment in sports radio history. The aforementioned, and, and guy we don't really mention on these airwaves much, Chad Dukes, the rant that he went on after Albert laid his fat ass down in the middle of the field at FedEx against Philadelphia on the Monday Night Massacre, which was on my birthday, by the way. That was my birthday, the Monday Night Massacre. It was a horrible birthday gift for your boy. Um, The rant that he went on was just unlike anything I can ever remember. Him and LeVar Arrington, it, it was absolutely just ethered him. But the reason Fat Albert is back in the news, it's not because he's beaten up on a woman, because uh, that's the last time we heard him in the news, is that he was hitting on his wife. And I, I say any woman stupid enough to be with him in the first place. Mm, God bless you. But he, uh, he was on someone's podcast, I'll call it. I think it's called Outkick. And I feel bad because whoever this host is, they're probably a young aspiring host trying to get themselves some clicks, you know, and trying to get a big name guy on their podcast or whatever. But this is this is just the wrong guy to have it. It's called Hot Mike is the podcast that uh, he was on. And it's an outkick podcast. And just listen to the buffoonery that came out of Fat Albert's mouth. What was it like to be around Daniel Snyder? I'm sure it only happened a few times. Maybe I'm wrong in that assumption. Yeah. But yeah. He, he's the one that gave you the deal. No, you know, like with Dan, I, I talk to him like at least once a week. I go to his really? office and talk. Yeah, we were, it was like super cool. So everybody like, oh, Dan's, uh, you know. Chris, can we, can we pause that just for, not, for a no, second? He's not, just, he's, just hit, just pause it right where it is. We'll, we'll pick it back. He was meeting, he was meeting with the owner once a week. He was meeting with Dan Snyder once a week. This, this is what's so crazy about the Albert Hainsworth saga here in Washington. He signed here on the richest contract at the time in NFL history, $100 million, the first $100 million contract in the sport he signed for. It was $100 million after bonuses, if I recall. The guaranteed was like 60 or something. Okay. But ended up being the richest contract in the history of the sport at the time. And the reason he ended up leaving Washington, obviously, as we all know, was he was unhappy 
that he was asked to play a 3-4 nose tackle instead of a 4-3 defensive tackle. Big schematic difference between the two. And the one thing I do give Albert credit with, I I do understand him being frustrated about that because you don't sign somewhere. You sign somewhere thinking you're going to play in one defense and then you get forced to play into another. It's going to impact your performance and the style of play that you have and what you're being asked to do. But to hear him said he was meeting with Daniel Snyder three times a week. If you've got that type of insight on the football team and you don't know what scheme you're going to be running moving forward, that's that's a problem to me. Take a listen to Fat Albert continuing. A-hole, whatever, but he's not. No, he's not. He's And, and like, his thing, and everybody's like, oh, he ruins, he ruins um, Washington, D.C. You know, he ruins his skins. Like, this guy, who he was, is he absolutely loved the Redskins. I mean, he's he's like watching every practice. He's you know doing all that stuff. But the thing about Dan, like he doesn't he didn't know a ton about football like that. And so what he would do, like I call him, and I'd say this to his face, like he was he's a billionaire fantasy footballer. So imagine you have billions of dollars and you own a football team, and what you see all the NFL, you're like, boom, oh, that's a great play. I'm going to get him, I'm going to get him, I'm going to get him, I'm going to get him. That's what Steve Cohen just did with the Mets. Well, who did it? Yeah. yeah, the owner of the Mets, they spent a ton, yeah. uh, $330 million on their payroll, highest in baseball, paying a $130 million luxury tax because of that. Yeah. But so, that hit me. He's putting together an all-star team, and they didn't win. Right. So and that team didn't either. Yeah, it's the same thing. So it's like you gotta, you got to have the, you gotta have the uh, dynamics between the team, the coaches. you got to have the right coaches to – be able to put that together and you can't just go do that you can't I mean you can buy you know get a few players and stuff like that but you also have to build within the draft you know like uh some trades and you know just kind of getting those guys and getting that dynamic together you gotta have some patience yeah like I mean in that locker room it was a joke like I mean guys are just they're just joking like I mean I got a a couple guys I still like talk to but most of them are trash (laughs) Like, like they got their yeah. they got their check and they were done kind of thing. Oh, dude, they'd be like talking about in the in the coming out in the tunnel, uh, what club they going to, and they got a <laughs> table. I'm just like, ah, oh, it was just, it was whack. And it's bottle the service. Be, it's the ones that be like chirping, try to talk about me. You know, I'm just like, dude, I could call you out about all the stuff you guys are doing. You know, so like, don't even don't even uh, like bring my name into it. Yeah, it's all them like D'Angelo Hall, like. Uh, I see, like, like Clint Portis, like, freaking, uh, was it Cooley or whatever? Chris Cooley. <laughs> yeah. Dude, it was just, uh, they're, they're a joke. Like, they belong oh in Washington because they are what that team represented back then, which is trash. And they and they just got their paycheck and, and oh, uh, yeah, it was time to go party and blow trash it. Trash and, yeah, blood and, and all on the plane, everything like that. Like, they were just, they were trash. I, I am, uh, I'm at a loss for words. I'm like the king of giving somebody the benefit of the doubt because I understand people get people get in front of microphones and they lose their personality and lose who they are sometimes. What the hell is Albert Hainsworth talking about? He, he sounds like a complete fool. The one benefit of the doubt that I do give Fat Albert is I don't blame Albert Hainsworth for what happened here in Washington. I don't. I blame Dan Snyder. I blame Dan Snyder. I blame Mike Shanahan. I blame the coaching staff. You don't sign a guy who made his mark as a 4-3 defensive tackle. You don't sign a guy like that and think you're going to turn him into a 3-4 nose and he's going to be happy about it. That's stupid. 
And it really started this bad trend that we've seen here over the past 10 years. No matter what coaching staff it is, man, the Washington Commanders, kings of trying to fit round pegs into square holes. Albert Hainsworth, you tried to make him a, a 3-4 nose tackle. John, Josh Norman, you signed him as a zone corner and actually play man-to-man. I mean, you, you just continually doing stupid things like that. William Jackson, man corner. You ask him to play zone. It just it frustrates me to no end, man, some of the decisions that were made throughout the years here in Washington. But the thing that's gotten everybody frustrated is Albert Hainsworth going after some of the favorites in this franchise's history, talking about Dr. Dewich Big, Clinton Portis, and talking about the playmaker, D'Angelo Hall and Chris Cooley. I, I could only wonder what the locker room dynamics were like during those times. I've heard, I've heard Santana Moss, and I'm glad he didn't mention Santana because he knows he knows better than to talk about Tanner. Chris, do you remember that that game against the Detroit Lions in Detroit when Santana Moss ran the punt return back and Albert Hainsworth got carted off the field and then returned back to the game? Yeah, I mean they were like giving him oxygen between plays and stuff back was, then. I, I remember that. I mean, he man. was just a fat sicko slob, man. So the fact that he. The fact that he has the unmitigated goal to come out here and call out other players that were on that team is an absolute joke. I don't even want to spend any more time on him. I debated back and forth with myself whether or not I was even going to touch this topic, but I did it. You're welcome. Albert Hainsworth, moral of the story, shut up. We'll take a quick time out. When we come back, top of the 10 o'clock hour, we'll start taking a big picture look at the National Football League Week number three of NFL training camp, getting ready to commence across the National Football League. Last week, we did Nell's last place lagoon. This time, I'm going to pick each first place division winner around the National Football League. It's about that time. I'm ready to put my name on some stuff. That's next here on The Fan. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Odyssey celebrates the class of 2024. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. 